Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 17, A Study in Second Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In today's episode, we continue our study in Second Peter, now in Chapter 2, looking at the arrival of false teachers who denied the need for living a godly life and then questioned the truth that Christ will return, among other heresies. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words, Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness, to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the central conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. That's only the first half of verse 10. Well, here again we have some very difficult verses (laughs) that we're going to tackle today. Going back to verse 1, it says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Well, we know that Peter ended chapter 1 by emphasizing that his readers should pay very close attention to the recorded prophetic word of God as the source of teaching and the source of understanding. In chapter 2, Peter notes that not all prophets are from God. Christ Jesus had predicted that false teachers were coming. We see that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, the false teachers were in the church. And again, not everyone that claims to be a prophet speaks God's words. More than 13 times in the Old Testament, Israel was warned about false prophets. The pattern in Peter's day, in the modern era, this whole thing about false prophets, it's not changed. False teachers abound. Richard Bauckham lists three characteristics of false teachers. One, they lack divine authority. 
Two, they promise the people peace when God threatens judgment. Three, they will certainly be judged by God. Just because Peter used the future tense in this verse does not mean that the false teachers were not already entrenched among his readership. We know that they are already wrecking havoc elsewhere, and he uses the present tense later in this chapter. Going back to the second part of that verse, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So notice the motive for false teachers is to destroy the faith of people and make the people reliant on the false teacher. Destructive heresies included encouraging people in the church to live immoral lives. Then adding to that, the destructive heresy denying Christ as the sovereign Lord. Now denying Jesus, who had spilt his blood on the cross for them, means that destruction awaits these false teachers. In Matthew 10.32, So everyone acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. These who had their lives purchased by the atoning death of Jesus on the cross never accepted that substitutionary death for them. And they now deny Christ through the destruction. Well, it does raise the question for some if the redeemed can lose salvation. But clearly in Scripture, this is a resounding no. You cannot lose what you do not own. These false teachers had confessed that they knew the Lord and perhaps for a time demonstrated this faith and appearance, but truly they never belonged to God. John tells us in 1 John 2.18, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, They would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Every church has those who appear to be believers, but when time and difficulties arise, it becomes apparent they never were part of the flock, but wolves in sheep's clothing. Back again to Matthew 13, verse 18. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. All right, verse 2 of chapter 2. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. So here's the impact that these false teachers have on others. Many will follow their unethical example. And what is possibly worse, 
is that the world will see the hypocrisy in the church and they will loudly ridicule the way of the truth the way of the truth being the gospel message this is why these false teachers are not to be tolerated or placated verse 3 and in their greed they will exploit you with false words their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep these false teachers are disinterested in the truth and are motivated by greed these false teachers were sexually immoral as well as motivated by greed they care nothing for the truth but live to exploit others with false words that tickle the ears and second timothy 4 1 paul says i charge you in the presence of god and of christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you always be sober-minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry they had accused these false teachers had accused the apostles of stretching the truth but it is the false teachers that distort the truth for their own means they exploit others with stories made up or hear as false or fabricated words they denied the coming of the Lord and of the future judgment with the denial of the future judgment they allege that there are no consequences to immoral behavior but the consequences are real and from way in the past and they are not idle this judgment is in plan for the false teachers and will be exposed on the day of judgment verse 4 says for if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment all right yeah we're getting some difficult stuff here <laughs> judgment is coming and at work and against those who deny christ in this first of three examples given in verse four this judgment is against the angels that sinned well that needs to, that takes us all the way back to genesis chapter six in verse one these are some difficult verses when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them the sons of god saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose then the lord said my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh and his days shall be a hundred and twenty years the nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of god came in to the daughters of man and they bore children to them these are the mighty men who were of old the men of renown we also see that jude speaks of the same thing that peter is in jude 5 it says now i want to remind you although you once fully knew it that jesus who saved a people out of the land of egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day well to understand this at least where peter and jude are coming from it was widespread in jewish tradition that this understanding in genesis was that angels came to earth and had sexual relations with the daughters of man 
Now Jude also had this understanding of this tradition. It is obvious that both Jude and Peter drew from that same tradition. Now the second half of this verse spells out the judgment for these angels being cast into hell and chained until the judgment. Now we will leave the deeper understanding of this verse in Genesis to a study note from the New English Translation Bible for this time. And they give us three major interpretations of the phrase here. Number one, in the book of Job, the phrase clearly refers to the angelic beings. In, Gen in, Gen in Genesis 6, the sons of God are distinct from humankind, suggesting they were not human. This is consistent with the use of the phrase in Job. Since the passage speaks of these things cohabiting with women, these beings cohabiting with women, they must have taken physical form or possessed the bodies of men. An early Jewish tradition elaborates on this angelic revolt, and they even name the ringleaders. Now, again, this is the tradition that both Peter and Jude call upon for this example of the judgment of God upon the angels. Now, the second interpretation is that not all scholars accept the angelic interpretation of the sons of God. However, some argue that the sons of God were members of Seth's line, traced back to God through Adam in, Gen in Gen Genesis 5, while the daughters of humankind were descendants of Cain. But as noted above, the text distinguishes the sons of God from humankind, which would include the Sethites as well as the Cainites, and suggests that the daughters of humankind are human women in general and not Cainites. Now, the third interpretation is that others identify the sons of God as powerful tyrants, perhaps demon-possessed, who viewed themselves as divine and following the example of Lamech. See Genesis 4.19 for that reference. And they practiced polygamy. But usage of the phrase sons of God in Job militates against this view for literature on the subject. See G.J. Winham on Genesis that book by G.J. Wenham I have ordered this evening because I am most interested in this subject. But the angels condemned to hell, or they were changed in gloomy dungeon, were placed there. The point is here. The point is being made here. They were placed there because of their sin. Now the second example of judgment is found in verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now this example is the flood that engulfed the world at the time of Noah. No ungodly person escaped this judgment, and will be the coming judgment as well would be the same way. No ungodly person is going to escape it. Now the righteous were preserved and escaped judgment. Notice Noah was called a herald of righteousness. While the time passed building the ark, the faithful Noah probably spoke to his contemporaries about turning and repenting of their ways and trusting God. Verse 7 says, and we'll go ahead and read verse 7 through 10 here. It says, If he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. So this third example is Sodom and Gomorrah, which God destroyed and brought out Lot and his family. Now God both rescued the righteous here and destroyed the wicked. Some may wonder why Peter described Lot as righteous 
as clearly he had some destructive issues. And I wonder the same thing. But writers in the post-biblical tradition describe Lot as being righteous. Abraham prayed that God would spare the cities if ten righteous people were found, but only Lot and his family were brought out of the city. Now, Lot certainly was not without fault, nor Noah was without fault for that matter, but they lived in cities and cultures that no com- they had no comrades to strengthen their faith. But Lot and Noah were different from those that were destroyed. That is why God rescued them. Living in this sinful city took a toll on Lot and his family, but they chose to be there. What does Peter conclude from this verse in verse 9? That God knows how to preserve the godly, knows how to keep the unrighteous, knows how to keep them for the future day of judgment, writes Thomas Schreiner. Peter was not promising that the false teachers would be removed immediately, nor was he saying that true believers never sin. God will guard believers, so at the end they will not forsake him, just as he preserved Noah and Lot. For those who do not repent and believe in Jesus, he will hold for the day of judgment. Peter's readers were not to be discouraged or wonder if God is faithful as clearly he is, and that has been demonstrated throughout time. Now, the first half of the last verse 10 here, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion despise authority. The wicked will be held for judgment, especially these false teachers that indulge in lust and are insubordinate to Christ. Now, our next episode, episode 18 in season 4, we will look closely, more closely at the false teachers and the rebellion and sensuality that they were practicing. Again, I hope the season 4 and first and second letters of Peter speaks to you. I pray that this study blesses you and I encourage each one of you to spend time in God's word. Biblical Tapestry is on Facebook and Instagram. And I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have discovered something helpful or uplifting. God bless you with faithful endurance, and I pray that you are greatly strengthened by God. God bless until next episode.